So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4 will be in verses 11 and 12. Two verses today. So you'd think that would mean that we'd get out early, but uh, don't, don't, don't hold your breath. Don't count on it. We just never know. So there are two types of people in this world. There's the type of person that will let you know when you have something stuck in your teeth. And there's the type of person who will just let you go all day long with that pepper stuck between your, your, your front teeth, right? That's, that's, that happens. I, I remember this one time, Lindsay and I, we went back to a, a school that we have a fondness for. She used to work there and uh, just visiting, hadn't been there in years, but she was still very loved there. And, and, the, and the head of school uh, started giving us a tour, showing us everything that had changed. And, and she had something, I don't know if she had a salad for lunch or what, but she had something stuck in her teeth and it was, it was kind of prominent and it was just kind of like, all right, well, we're just going to let this slide and maybe she'll catch it next time she goes to the bathroom, whatever. And we were just kind of following, talking with her, seeing everything a little distracted and then, and then this custodian comes up and begins to talk with her. And he says, oh, pardon me, but, but you have something stuck in your teeth. And she says, do I? Thank you so much for telling me. And she turned to us and she's like, you're just going to let me go all day with that there, weren't you? And I'm like, oh, man. So at that moment, I, I told myself, I'm going to be the type of person that says, hey, got a piece of pepper there in your teeth. You got to catch that. Um, so... When we look at James chapter 4, James just told us this very humbling truth that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's there in chapter 4 verse 6. And I think pride can be like a piece of pepper that is kind of there. And everybody else in the world can see it. But we have a hard time recognizing it. We can see it in other people. We can see where they're falling to their pride. But when it comes to ourselves, we just have these special blinders. So what James does, James is the type of person that says, hey, you, you've, you've got a piece of pepper in your teeth. He says, you, you, you got some pride in your life. And so what he does in this passage in verses 11 and 12 is James tells us how we can recognize whether or not we have pride in our lives. And pride reveals itself in the way we speak to other people. So what I'd love for us to do now is I'd love for us to all stand as we read God's word of James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. The brother of our Lord says this, he says, do not criticize or do not speak evil about one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? Christ Community Church, this is the word of the Lord. All right, go ahead and have a seat. So what James is telling us is that we need to have a humble correction of one another. 
That whenever we speak evil against one another, whenever we criticize one another, when we tear one another down, what we are doing is we are exposing the fact that we are a proud person. And scripture says that God opposes the proud. Think about that. Our kids are learning about uh, Exodus right now, of how the Lord just delivered the Israelite slaves from Egypt. Think about the terror that God brought upon Egypt, how he destroyed them. Why did he destroy them? Because the pride of Pharaoh, because they would not submit to God and God destroyed them. In fact, after Israel left Egypt and they started going through uh, all, all all the places they had to go to to get to the promised land, what we find is every people group they came against, it said that the terror of Israel fell upon them. The terror. Why? Because they heard about this God that they worship, that they serve, that his terror was able to destroy a people group. And so what did they do? They, they humbled. And most of them was like, all right, just keep on going. Let's, let, don't, don't stop us and don't, don't mess with us. But, but we don't want that God, that powerful God, we don't want him to oppose us. So we need to rid our lives of pride. Whenever we look at this passage, we are told what we are not to do. The first thing we are told not to do is we are told not to criticize one another. Proud people are critical people. Proud people are critical people. And so one of the things we need to do is we're reading out the Christian Standard Bible and it says do not criticize. It's not my favorite translation of that word. Uh, I think my favorite translation of that word is where it says do not speak evil against one another. I think King James says that, the ESV says that, but it says do not speak evil against one another. That word literally means slander, which is like typically malicious speech that is spoken that is untrue. But in this context in James, it's not just saying untrue things about people, but it is saying things maliciously about people or to people in order to destroy them. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. The words spoken are meant to destroy. So we have to ask ourselves a question is, why does a proud person criticize? Why does a proud person speak evil? And I think there's a couple of different reasons why we do this. One of the reasons that we speak evil to other people One of the reasons we speak maliciously against them is because we are, as Scripture tells us, we are proud. I think whenever we use our words to tear down another person, whether they're in front of us or not, one of the things that we're doing that for is so that we can be lifted up, lifted up, that we can be the last man, the last woman standing. And so it almost bolsters our own credibility. It boasts, it boosts our own position of power. Uh, and so we really have to ask ourselves a question. Are we going to be the type of person that's more involved in like demolition or in building? Do you want to be the person that's more about demolition that you go in there and you rip things down You're not careful. You're rough. The only tool you need is like a sledgehammer. Jeremiah has this one tool that's really cool. It's like an axe, crowbar, hammer, tool of destruction. It's like that thing is designed to rip things apart. And 
the only care you have to do is be careful not to hurt yourself with it. Are you going to be more of a person who's involved in demolition? That when you speak about other people and you speak to other people, your words are critical. Your words are malicious. Your words are hurtful. Or are you going to be a craftsman that looks at somebody and sees the potential of what they could be and spend time building them up? There's that old illustration about these masons who were working on a cathedral. And this priest began to walk through the construction of the cathedral and comes across one mason. And he says, what, what, what are you doing here? He says, I'm, I'm carving a, a piece of stone. It's going to be a brick. He says, all right. And he goes to the next person and he says, all right, what, what, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm, I am building a house of God. There's a difference there, isn't there? One, you're just focused right here in the moment. And the other, you're seeing the potential of what it could be. It's a difference between someone like me, who's like, how can I get the job done? And someone like Donald, who's like a craftsman. He sees the potential. He knows how to put things together. He knows how to make it look beautiful. When we approach our conversation with other people in our life, one of the things that we need to do is not to demolish them. Not to break them down, but rather we are called to build them up. But our pride, it's our pride that leads us to rip people apart. There's a beautiful passage in the book of Luke chapter 18 about these two people who go to the temple to pray. One is is a teacher of the law. And he goes in there, he walks to the front, to the altar, and he says, thank you, God, for not making me like other people. And he says, in the back of the room, another person came in. And he says, forgive me, God, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. You have two people, one who is all about building themselves up, Saying, thank you for not making, I think the exact words are, do not, thank you for not making me a woman, a Gentile, or like this other sinner who's in here, right? But the reason we use our words is because whenever we can tear other people down, it just makes us look better. Do we do that with our words? I think another reason why we criticize or speak evil to other people. It's simply because it's a good way to connect with people. Have you noticed this? Think about oftentimes. We were, we were talking about this before the service with, some, with the setup crew. Uh, but oftentimes when you meet somebody new, or let's just say you, you, you meet up with a friend, one of, the, one of the things that we do is we connect with other people through like commiserating right? This is how bad things are. This is how messed up things are. And the way that we connect with people is not through the goodness of what God has done in our world and what he's doing in our lives, but the way that we connect with people is through complaining. And oftentimes that complaining is going to be directed at another person. And what we're doing is we're tearing down that other person as a way to connect with people. What would happen if we stopped doing that? What would happen if someone comes to you and they begin to tear someone else down in the church? 
or they begin to tear, tear someone else down about work, and you say, you know, I respect them so much. I, I like this attribute about them. I think they are faithful, or I think, I think they are, their intentions are good, or I think their heart, and, and we speak that way. How quickly would that just end the conversation right then and there? And then you can take the opportunity to turn that conversation to something that's beneficial, to something that's actually building somebody else up. But it's a way that we connect. And the reason we, we tear people down is not only because of our pride, because it's a way we're connecting with other people. And to some extent, another reason why we tear people down is for the pleasure of it. Have you noticed that? Whenever you begin to criticize somebody else, whether they're there or not, Oftentimes, there's a little bit of pleasure you have in that moment. It makes you feel good to have the upper hand. It makes you feel good to be justified in your own mind, to be right in your own mind. But what Jesus is saying and what James is saying to us in this book is what that speaking evil about someone does is it actually shows that you're a person of pride and that the God of Israel, the God of the Bible is going to actively oppose you. We as a people, we as a body of Christ, we as Christ Community Church, we need to be not about tearing other people down, not about destroying other people with our words, but about people who are humble, who are lifting one another up. And the second thing we see in this text, is not only are we are not supposed to criticize, not only are we not supposed to speak evil, but we are also not to presume. We're not to presume. Let's look back at our text. Verse, there's only two verses, so let's read them all again. It says, do not speak evil. Do not criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames, that word defames, is the same word as criticize. It's used over and over again. So if you look at it, it says, do not criticize so you can circle that word criticize. It says, do not criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames, same word as criticize, or judges a fellow believer, he uses the word again here, defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? One of the things that we find that this word is that when we, when we criticize and we speak evil against a brother or sister in Christ, what we are doing is we are actually becoming lawbreakers because we have stepped into this position as a judge. And when we step into that position, we are told that we become a lawbreaker. A corrupt judge always is going to corrupt the law. A corrupt judge is always going to correct the law, corrupt the law. There was, there was an article in, in the paper as I was scouring the internet for illustrations and I typed in corrupt judges. Uh, there's this judge, I, think, I want to say he was up in Chicago, I could be wrong. So don't, don't let me speak evil of, of Chicago right now. Uh, but, but there was this judge who was a very harsh with, with, with his judgments. And whenever he passed judgment on somebody, he would always send them to this one correction facility. It was, it was like a private correction facility and not, not like a, a state-run correction facility. 
And for anything, man, he would just send people there time and time again. And after they did this investigation, the FBI did this investigation, you know what they found? They found that this judge was actually getting kickbacks from this detention facility. And so the more people he sent there, the more this detention facility could charge the government and they would then give the judge a kickback. What happened? A corrupt judge corrupted the law. Whenever we as brothers and sisters in Christ speak evil against one another, what we are doing is we are being a corrupt judge and we are corrupting the law. And we have to ask the question, how are we actually breaking the law at this moment? This is what it says earlier in James. James oftentimes speaks in in circles. He hits the same topics over and over and over again. This is what it says in James chapter 2. He says, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you are a law breaker. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom for judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is James saying here in James chapter 4? He is saying whenever we as broken people begin to pass judgment on others and speak evil about others, we are corrupting the law and we become corrupt judges. Think about how we are all lawbreakers. When we read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, there's over 600 laws in there. Do you realize that? Over 600 laws in the Old Testament. And many of them are about Israel and how they're to set up their kingdom and how they're to set up their nation, about how to sacrifice. So a lot of them don't apply to us anymore. But just think of that number, over 600. And oftentimes what we do to make ourselves feel good is we begin to tally. Have I broken God's law? Well, I've only broken, I'm really only bad at a couple different things. I only fall of a couple different spots. And we, we might tally five or six things. So we can, we can think of five or six things of, of how we typically sin. And we think, well, that's not too bad. Because a guy down the street has to be breaking at least 50. He's really messed up. And the way that we look at our own self-righteousness is through comparison with other people. But when we look at the law of God, we don't look at the law of God as tally marks. We don't say we've, we've broken this many laws and I'm better than this other person. But what we do is we look at the law of God as a piece of fine china. So instead of 600 individual laws, think of the law of God as one piece of fine china. For Valentine's Day, we bust out our, our wedding china to feed our, our kids on. It's very, very, very brave of my wife. Um, but let's say one of my kids, let, let's be honest, let's say I drop a plate <laughs> and it gets this fracture in it and it kind of goes all the way through this hairline crack all the way through. Is the plate partially broken or is the plate just flat out broken? It's flat out broken. When it comes to God's law, you either keep it perfectly or you're a lawbreaker. 
you might look at other people in their sin and think, I'm better than them because they sin more than I do. But that's not how the law of God works. The law of God says you've broken the law, and that makes you a lawbreaker in need of a Savior. James is telling us that we corrupt the law and we presume upon the law when we step into this, this law of God. And not only that but, that, but we also presume to be God. Because what does it say? He says, there's one judge. There is one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. So what is he saying? He is saying that God is the true judge. And so when we pass judgment and we speak maliciously to other people, what we are doing is we are actually saying, move aside, God. Is that proud? Is that being full of pride? When we say, move aside, God, and let me step up, I can pass judgment. And we presume to be stepping in to the seat of God. And so what it says here is that there's only one lawgiver and there's only one judge who is able to save and destroy. Man, we've all broke our China. We've all cracked it. And it's not a hairline crack. That, that plate is in pieces. And it says that this one lawgiver is able to save no matter how broken you may be, no matter how far from God that you might find yourself, James is saying, and the word of God is saying, and God is saying through them, saying, I can make you whole. I can fix you and make you without any cracks, without any chips. I can make you perfect. That's the judge that we can stand before. That's the lawgiver that we can stand before. But listen to what it says. This lawgiver can save. And this should humble us. But this lawgiver can also destroy. You can think about what Scripture says. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. It says, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fill Fear him who is able to destroy both his soul and body in hell. Book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's something we don't talk about much in churches anymore. But our God, who is full of mercy, who is full of grace, who can save and is calling people to himself because he loves them, is the same God that if you are not found in Christ, it is a terrifying thing to stand before him because he can and he will destroy. This is a warning that we are not to presume to be a judge, to be a lawgiver, but that we should be humble. We can't save ourselves. We need to be humble. We stand before a living God without Christ. We should be fearful. So what are we to do? We are not to presume, we are not to speak evil, but rather what we are to do is we are, we are to correct in love. We are to correct in love. I'm sure you've heard this statement. Don't judge me. 
you can't judge me. And then people who are really on it will say, well, the Bible says, do not judge lest you be judged. I'm sure you've heard that. I'm just waiting. I'm I'm waiting for my daughter to say that to me one day. Daddy, stop it. Uh, here's, Here's the thing. How are we to live with one another and not judge? Because when our world talks about judgment, what the world is saying is, is, that, is that you cannot question what I am doing. That my authority within myself gives me the right to do what I want to do. And if anyone looks at how I'm living my life, and if anyone looks at what I'm doing, and they say anything, that falls into the, to the category of judgment. So can we judge? I just want to take a little bit of a moment. If you're in James chapter 4, right? All right, I want you to lift your eyes up from verse 11 and 12 and go up to verse 4. This is where James says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Look down a little bit further at verse 8. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Does that not sound judgy? I mean... But at some level, though, we have to know that what James is doing is not contradicting himself a paragraph later. So he's not saying that we should never correct. He's not saying that we should should never be able to, to look at somebody and rebuke them. So we have to walk this very carefully. Because on some level, yes, we are not to judge. But on some level, yes, we are to correct and we are to rebuke other people. So, so how are we to do this? James, the brother of Jesus, has a lot of references to Jesus in his, in his work. And I think this is one of them. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. And then he, he begins to illustrate what, what he's saying. Saying, why do you look at this splinter? In your brother's eyes, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. I want you to notice a few things. One, I love Jesus's illustrations. Where here you are with like a two by four a beam sticking out of your head, noticing a splinter in your brother's eye. And Jesus says, you hypocrite. The first thing you need to do before you correct your brother, the first thing you need to do before you correct your sister is you've got to turn inward and you have to look at your own heart. You have to look at your own actions and you need to be in repentance. You need to humble yourselves and submit to God. You need to draw near to Him so He can draw near to you. 
And when you are living that humble life, look at what Jesus says in verse 5. They're important words. And then. And then. After we've repented, after we've after we've submitted to God, after we are confessing, and after we are humble ourselves, it says, and then we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and we help them with their splinter. He's not saying we never speak to anybody in in correction. He's not saying that we never rebuke. But he's saying that when we do rebuke and we do correct, we have to have a certain attitude about ourselves. We are to correct with a life that's been evaluated. And he gives us this warning in this text also. He says, the same measure we judge other people with, it will be used against us as well. It's a confusing little passage here, but there's a great illustration by Francis Schaeffer. If you're ever looking for a good book to read, Francis Schaeffer has a number of them. Uh, But Francis Schaeffer gives this illustration of this text where he says, imagine that every human being is born with a recorder around their neck. Can't really see it, but it's there. And every time we pass judgment on somebody, every time we speak evil against somebody, and we we say, well, they're they're a lazy person, or that person is a gossip, or that person person is just, I mean, they're, they're just a hot mess. That little recorder turns on and records it. And then one day after we pass and we go on to the judgment, we stand before God and say, all right, God, I really didn't know all your laws. I did the best I could. And God said, well, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one. I'll tell you what, I won't, I won't judge you against all of my word. I'll, I'll judge you against the law that you held. And he hits that recorder that's around your neck. And he hears you calling other people gossips, or he hears you calling other people lazy, or he hears you calling other people these, these, these names, and you're passing judgment against them. And the only way that we're held accountable is by the words of our own mouth. So how many of us would pass that judgment? And how many of us would be found guilty of breaking it? Because the truth of the matter is, we oftentimes don't live up to the same standards that we give other people. I like the way Paul puts it in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 of how we are to engage with one another. This is what he says, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love... Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. What is, what is Paul and Jesus saying? They're saying that when we are living life with one another, our words to one another ought to be words that build up and not destroy. I love this verse because it tells us what we are supposed to be built up into. We are to be built up into Christ. 
So husbands, when you are speaking to your wives, wives, when you're speaking to your husbands, whenever you are speaking to your friends, when your co-workers, as you're speaking to your children, you could ask yourself the question, as I speak, are my words helping this person grow up into Christ? And if not, very well might be that what we are saying should be left unsaid. Our words should be building up. We should become craftsmen with our words, seeing the potential in every person. Because every person in this room, every person we meet on the street will have this, this ability in Christ to be built up to look like Jesus. We just have to have the eyes to see it. It is my prayer that as a church, we will realize that we are lawbreakers. We will realize that we are not perfect, that we are broken, and that we shouldn't stand in this judgment seat of other people. While at the same time, we will be a people realizing that we should be bowed before God, recognizing our own sin. And when we look up and see other people, we call them to holiness. Christ Community Church needs to be a church that when you go to your community groups or you go to your discipleship groups and you see your brother or sister in Christ sinning, you should be able to call them out on it. Don't let sin go unchecked with your brother or sister in Christ. You're doing a disservice to yourself. You're doing a disservice to your brother or sister. And you're doing a disservice to the kingdom of God. But in humility and love, call them back to repentance. Let's stand and pray.